0: Hey, Song of Solomon, chapter 2, let's do a little bit of review. Our couple went for a date in a forest. The next thing you know, he's on top of her, and this thing is about to happen, all right? That's what goes on on their very first date. Can't believe it that this is in the Bible. Some of you are not even looking at me. As soon as I talk about it, you just put your head down in your Bible. This is the Bible. But our couple made a decision to stand for holiness. They made a decision in their premarital relationship, we're not going to go down that path. So we realize with this couple, if it's the very first date and they're already struggling with this, there's a problem in the relationship. And if you're asking the question, how far is too far? You've got the same problem in your relationship. You see, the question is not how far is too far. The question is, how more can I glorify God in my relationship, either with my girlfriend, boyfriend, or with my spouse? This couple is struggling with sexual purity. And if you struggle with it premaritally, there's going to be a struggle with it. Sex does not solve the sexual purity problem. It doesn't solve it. There is no amount of sexual immorality that can solve the sexual purity problem. This couple, they've got a sexual purity problem. Now, thankfully, our guy stands up for holiness and he says, wait a second, don't waken or a love until it's time, until it pleases. He makes the right decision. And gentlemen, let me tell you something. There is only one right decision in these kinds of decisions if you find yourself in a situation like our guy. Now, remember, his, she was in his shade. Do you remember? Okay, come on, Sunday night. You guys don't want me to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. She was in his shade, so that means he's on top of her. His left hand is behind her neck, and his right hand is on her back. Okay, we got a major problem going on in, with this couple. They're, they're in the wrong, they're in a right place at the wrong time. And they're in the wrong place at the right time. It's just not a good situation. Gentlemen, there's only one thing you can do in these situations. Get out of there. Go take a cold shower. Dip in an ice bath. Whatever needs to happen, get out of there. In Genesis chapter 39, we see a great example. You don't need to turn there. Genesis chapter 39, Joseph is a good looking dude. Okay, that's what the Bible says. He is a good-looking dude. He's got a great physique, and all he's wearing is a little Egypt towel, okay? He's a slave. So Potiphar's wife is checking his chest out every single night, checking his biceps out, his triceps out. Like, she is connected to the good ointments of Joseph, all right? She don't care about Joseph's character. She wants that chest next to her. So Joseph comes along, and she's like, okay, now, you and me, you're my slave, give it to me. Joseph, you guys, I'm making the Bible as real as what it needs to be. Sandra, why are you laughing so hard? So this is what happens. So he runs away and when he runs away, she grabs the little towel that's wrapped around him and he runs away and she sees him running away. It's like a full-on rated R flick right there in Genesis chapter 39. This is real deal, really happening in the land of Egypt with Potiphar's wife. And what Joseph decides to do is get out of there, because that's the righteous decision. But that righteous decision came with a great cost, didn't it? He got thrown into jail because Potiphar's wife lied against him. But That righteous decision actually wasn't a great cost. God was just taking Joseph to the next stage of his leadership. It was there in that jail that Joseph was raised up to be the prince of Egypt. You see, Paul, in taking a look at this, uh, maybe you'll turn there with me. Keep your finger in Song of Solomon. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul, knowing the Old Testament, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he his young Timothy something. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. All men in the room, put this verse to memory. Take a look. 2 Timothy chapter 22. All the men say with me, flee also youthful. I heard about three guys. Okay, let's say it again. Jimmy, say it with me. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. Flee also youthful lust. Flee, like Joseph. Get out of there. Don't stay. It's too dangerous. You need to get out of youthful lust. And then he says, what you need to do is you're running from youthful lust. He says, run to, pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. He says, get to people. Get to righteous people. Get to pure people. Get to people that can hold you accountable. Tell someone there's a struggle. Tell someone there's something going on and get out of there. Now, our guy makes a good decision. Our guy in our last chapter, he decides to get out of there. His flight from the situation was a godly decision. However, he realizes something. He realized there's an issue in the relationship that needs some spiritual attention. Now, if you are in a relationship and don't have any issues, please raise your hand. We wanted to learn from you. Like, we just wanted to understand, like, how is it possible? Like, how did you do it? Okay. Andre and I have been married 30 years. I want to let you know, we've had some strong fellowship in that 30 years of our history. It's not like we intended to go into marriage with strong fellowship. It's not like, you know what a strong fellowship is, right? It's a Christian way to say we got into a fight, all right? So we had strong fellowship. We didn't want to have strong fellowship. We didn't go into marriage to have strong fellowship. But having issues is a part of relationship. And we can't walk into a relationship or think that we can have a relationship where there are no issues. So, what the Holy Spirit is going to do with our premarital couple is give them some insight on to hand, how to handle issues. Now, I want you to raise your hand with this question How many of you have been in a relationship, are in a relationship, and you've had some issues? Go ahead and raise your hand. So, we all need this chapter. We all need this chapter. And we're going to learn something powerful in this chapter. Take a look at Song of Solomon chapter 2. We're going to pick it up right after this intimate almost moment there in verse 8. And I'm going to read it like I think it should be read. So just stick with me. Okay, here we go. The voice of my beloved. Behold, he comes up leaping on the mountains and skipping upon the hills. My beloved, it's like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, he stands behind our wall. He's looking through the windows, gazing through the lattice. Okay, he's not a peeping Tom, so stay with me for just a moment. That is not what is going on here in chapter 2, verse 8. Our godly guy has made a godly decision And when they were about to be sexually intimate, he stood up and said, not now. We're not married. That's what he said. But our godly guy, he wants to solve the issue. Because they have a sexual purity issue in their relationship from the very beginning. And because he stood for the right thing, because he made a godly decision, he comes leaping and he comes skipping to talk to his girlfriend. Now, just imagine the moment. <laughs> she just sees him, and he's coming to the... I mean, this guy is a happy guy, okay? Like, she is beautiful. He can't wait to get to her house. Now what we do is, uh, uh, as we're going to our girlfriend's house, or, you know, we're going, getting ready to go out tonight. We we kind of sit in our car, and we put our hand on the steering wheel like this. We lean it all the way back, and we turn. This is our way of skipping and leaping in the 21st century. It's like, we are cool, right? It's like, you know, we drive up, and we want Want our babe to see, like, hey, 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 what's up? You know? So here's the deal. He comes skipping and leaping. That was like the cool thing to do, okay? Back in this age. And she sees him skipping and leaping. And let me tell you why he's skipping and leaping. He's got no guilt or no mourning after shame. Some of you know what I'm talking about. He's got no guilt. He's got no mourning after shame. He made a godly decision and now is a godly guy, he is skipping and leaping and jumping because he wants to solve the issue in their premarital relationship. Now, go with me to 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. I want to put this into more of a spiritual sense. 1 John chapter 3 coming out of the relational with a human being, going into the relational with God the Father. 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, take a look with me if you would at verse 18. 1 John three eighteen. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but indeed in deed and truth. So when you come to God, come skipping and leaping. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, because we've got confidence to go to God, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. You guys know I got nine kids. I knew when when there was a good day and I knew when there was a bad day. I'll never forget there was one bad day and. I had to like ground all the kids and it was like, okay, all of you are punished for an eternity. Like if you do this to your mother again, you will be grounded for eternity. Well, it was such a bad day. It was even a bad day for Andrea and it was a bad day for our kids. And Micaiah, our son was five years old at the time. And I we would have to, Andre would chain the door because the kids, when they were younger, they could unlock the door and they would escape into the neighborhood. Our dog brought our three-year-old daughter back one time, like just holding her and pulling her back like the copper baby. Do you remember that? It's like just pulling her back, like, okay. We actually bought an Australian shepherd because they're so smart and we had so many kids, we figured the dog could help us hurt them, right? <laughs> so we would chain the top of the door so that they couldn't reach to be able to get out of the door, okay? That's what we did back then, all right? So I'll never forget, Micaiah had such a bad day the day before. He runs to the door as I'm leaving and he opens the door and he puts his mouth out the door like this and he says to me as I'm going to work, don't leave us here with her again today. He's like five years old, okay, do you remember that? It was a bad day. Now, whenever there was a bad day, when I would come home, none of the kids would greet me. They would all be in their rooms. He's home the house would be spotless, all the, the garbage would be taken out, the dishes would be clean, and they would all be in the rooms. I knew, and I knew it was a bad day. But whenever it was a good day, my kids would run to me and hug me and hold me. They would come to the Father because they were obedient the whole day and they didn't have any shame in coming to the Father. They didn't have any guilt in coming to the Father. And what John is trying to say is, when we sin, when we do things that go against what our father has asked us to do, it's difficult for us to pray. And what the enemy does is, well, you can't pray. He ain't going to listen to you. You know you did last night. But what John is saying is, no, our father's not like that. Even if your heart condemns you, he still wants you to come to him. That's the kind of father he is. Because that's the kind of father we are. You see, understand, when I would come home, it would hurt my heart that my kids would not come to me. So let's go back now to Song of Solomon, chapter 2. Song of Solomon, chapter 2. And now let's take a look at verse 9. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. She's looking her man. She's like, and I don't know if we would compare, like, don't. I have asked Andrea. Please don't call me a gazelle or a young stag. Like the last thing I want to be called is a deer. Like you know, it's kind of like that. Like call me a bear or like a lion. Don't call me a deer. When I think of a deer, I just. I mean, they have got. What do deer do that is strong? Nothing. They just look at you and you, you shoot them. That's what. I mean. <laughs> The last thing I, But I guess back then, being a gazelle or a young stag is like a, a pretty hot thing at the time. I don't know, okay? But I need you to understand what she's saying. He's like a gazelle. He is running to her because he wants to solve this problem. And he wants to solve this problem quickly. Jesus made it very clear in Matthew chapter 5 that quickly is the only way to solve problems. In Matthew chapter 5, he says, listen, if you come to the altar and realize someone's got against you, something against you, in Matthew 5, 25, he says, leave your gift and quickly go. The word that describes solving a problem is not letting the sun go down on your anger. The way to solve a problem is that we solve it quickly. Now look at this guy. He comes like a gazelle. He's running there. He comes like a young stag. He's, He's just committed to this and he stands behind our wall he's looking through the windows gazing through the lattice looking through the windows she's in her bedroom and he knows they got an issue so the last thing that he's going to do is going to go into the house and go into her room knowing that he's come there to solve the issue gentlemen if you go to pick up your date Maybe knock on the door and stand five steps back, but the last thing you want to do is go inside and wait for her. It could be dangerous. And what I love about our guy, he's so godly, he's established healthy boundaries in their relationship. Andre and I decided we cannot pray together after 11 o'clock. I told you before, prayer is sexy. At midnight... Here's her lips, and here's my lips. Dear Jesus. (laughs) You get the point. And all of a sudden, like, you're leaning into each other, and Jesus has now just kind of got all slurred all up in there, right? You've got to establish healthy boundaries, If you can't hold her hand without getting some kind of arousal, then maybe you shouldn't hold her hand. If you, you know know the old movie Stretch. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about, right? (laughs) Some of you are laughing way too hard. Okay, it's like, whoa, you know this thing. Listen, you've got to know what your limitations are and establish some healthy boundaries. Because let me tell you something about true love. In John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus describes love like this. If you love me, obey my commandments. Love has parameters. It has parameters. Love, real love, establishes boundaries. Take a look at verse 10. My beloved spoke and said to me. You guys, forgive me. I'm going to read it like the way it should be. Okay, here we go. Rise up, my love, my fair one, come away. For lo, just imagine this guy looking through the light. Rise up, my love. (laughs) My fair one, come away. For lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. This guy's not holding any grudges. Grudges are deadly, they're deadly. And love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. So he doesn't hold any grudges. Listen to it. My love, my fair one, come away. That winter, rainy time of our relationship, it's over. The problem's past. But time has passed. And sometimes it's good to walk away and let time pass. Do you know biologically That when you get angry, your body releases hormones that takes 20 minutes to work through your body. That blood-boiling feeling is hormones. That heat that you feel that happens because you're so angry, that takes about 20 minutes to work through you. Once it works through you and it then dissolves all up into your body, you then work out of that angry moment. And maybe, listen carefully... Maybe you establish a boundary that when you feel that hormone thing happening in anger, you just walk away for about 20 minutes because you know nothing you say is going to be good coming out of your mouth. And you establish some boundaries and let that thing pass. Now, take a look at verse 12. The flowers appear on the earth. This guy's so poetic. Can you imagine, gentlemen, if we talk like this? Like everything was flowers and lilies and like, my dove, my fair one, my lovey. Okay, here we go. The the flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove (laughs) is heard. (laughs) This guy is rocking it. Is heard in our land. This guy's talking about birds and flowers. This is like every woman's dream. Take a look at verse 13. The fig tree puts forth her green figs. There's fruit and the vines. There's more fruit with the tender grapes. Give a good smell. Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. He's doing everything in his way to get her to come down so that they could talk about what happened the night before. This guy desires redemption you see the rain has produced spring he wants to use their mistake to learn from it because that's the only thing you can do with a mistake the only thing you can do is learn from it just because you don't need to live in it you can learn from it and this guy desires redemption He's not going to live in the problem, but he's going to purpose to use the problem to produce fruit in their relationship. Do you smell the grapes? Do you smell the fig tree? Oh, the figs are blooming, the flowers. We've got turtle doves. We can be in the spring of our relationship and we can talk about this and learn and grow from this. This guy is unbelievable. Look at verse 14. Oh, my dove. In the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the cliff. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. You know what he's not saying? You know what? You screwed up big, okay? Took me out in the forest and started throwing spiked art all over the place. This is your fault, okay? (laughs) It's not what he says. It doesn't blame her. Do you know that blame is the second sin in the Bible? The first was eating the fruit. Then there was Adam. It's her fault. And we tend to do that in relationship because we can't do no, no wrong. Like we go into relationship with two rules. Number one, I am always right. Number two, if I'm ever wrong, refer back to rule number one. And oftentimes when we've got a problem, we enter the problem with those two rules. Number one, I am always right. Number two, if I'm ever wrong, refer back to rule number one. And we've got to be careful that we don't enter an argument or conflict because issues are going to come. We can't enter an issue with, I am right. Not this guy. This guy is looking for the best in this relationship with this woman because that's exactly what Jesus does. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, okay, listen carefully, that when we die and go to heaven, some of us are going to have gold, silver, and rubies. Some of us are going to have wood, hay, and stubble. And Jesus, He's going to look at us, and those eyes of fire are going to burn through all the wood, hay, and stubble so He can see the gold. Because let me tell you something about Jesus He's always looking for the gold. And he gets rid of everything else so he can see it. And maybe if we look at our spouse just a little bit differently, maybe if we look at our relationship just a little bit differently and we look for the gold instead of the wood, hay, and stubble like Jesus does, we might see the beauty that's right in front of us. This guy looks a lot like Jesus. But ladies... Let's take a let's look at you and let's take a look at what he refers to this guy go, this godly girl as. Listen, he says to her, "Oh my dove." Once again, I don't know if you want to walk out of here and call your spouse or your girlfriend a dove, okay? Doves are dirty little animals, but I need to, they honestly doves are like flying rats. I mean, they just they they are. And I God, I, the fact that the Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove is just the redemption of that flying little rat. Trust me, God is a redeeming God. He's a redeeming God, and he redeems this bird and now makes this bird who is at best dirty. Have you ever been around doves? Just go feed them in New York City there will be droppings all on top of you. They're dirty little animals. God redeemed this bird. And he is the one that wanted to use this dove to show that God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can redeem us and redeem you and redeem me. And in this phrase, we have to understand what he's saying. Listen, godly gals. He's saying to her, my girl is gracious. And I know that when I come to her with the problem, she's not going to attack me. She's not going to put her... I'm going to give you Bahamian women, okay? When a Bahamian woman puts her hand on her hip, and if it gets slapped on the hip, okay? When a Bahamian woman slaps it, and if her neck goes like this, God help you. And if she slaps, neck goes like this, and the finger goes up like this, run for your life. run for your life. That's why I married a non-Bahamian woman, okay? Because Bahamian women have a wonderful thing about them. It's a Bahamian flair, and they think it's genetic. They don't realize how sinful it actually is. Now, this woman is not like that. He don't show up, and she don't go, you better get over here, boy. I'm going to deal with you, all right? That's not what happens, okay? She's gracious, and he knows that because she has a testimony of being gracious, she says she's a dove. I want you to see something else. She's hidden in the rock. He can't see her. He can only see the rock. And it's from this that the apostle Paul writes that we're to be hidden in Christ. Where people can't see us, they just see Christ coming out of us. And what he's saying is, you're very godly. You look more like God than you do this lady. And he says to her, take a look what he says. He says... Of her, let me see your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Let me see you, let me hear you, you're lovely. He's saying, you're so pleasant to be around. I want to be around you. I just want to see you. I just want to hear your voice. She's not loud and obnoxious and rude and she's all over the place. No, 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 she's just gentle and sweet and pleasant. And he says of her, her words are sweet sweet. And that's important. This girl knows her scripture because the Bible says that the word of God is as sweet as the honeycomb in Psalm 19. And when you go out with this girl, the thing that's going to come out of her is not her opinion, is the word of God. The thing that you're going to hear her counsel is not the way she thinks that you should go, but you're going to hear the word of God. So sweet. She's lovely. This word is beautiful, and we know what's beautiful to God. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3 is a gentle and quiet spirit. She is the perfect picture of the bride of Christ. So we've got a godly guy who looks like Christ. We've got a great example of a gal who is behaving like the church. Take a look at the warning now that the Holy Spirit gives in regards to the issues that we find in our relationships to godly people. Look at verse 15. Catches the foxes, the little foxes, that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. Catches the foxes. Do you know what foxes are? They are sly, devious, deceitful, stealthy little creatures. And they burrow holes all over the place that cause a lot of damage. Problem is you can't see the holes. Andre and I lived in Montana and there were these prairie dogs. Do you know what a prairie dog is? It's a long cylindrical ferret-like looking animal and every spring, they would burrow holes in the field, and the cattle would step in the holes and break their feet. You couldn't run in the uh, 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 run with a horse in the pasture. You had to make sure there were no prairie dog holes because they burrow little holes just like foxes do. So what we would do every spring, and you would see hundreds of people lined up on the fences, farmers pleaded with people to come with their 1022s and you would see people lined up on the fence and they were just waiting for a prairie dog with their 22 rifle to shoot them. Now, let me tell you what a prairie dog does, okay? It's, not, it's a rat. Don't be concerned about it. It is not a cute little animal, okay? It is a very large rat is what it is. But the funny thing is, is when you're looking, it's maybe not too funny, but when you're looking through the scope and you actually shoot one, they go like this. They're so dramatic. You'll shoot them and they go. <laughs> and then they fall over dead. Now, you might be mad at me, okay? Because, but we were saving our cattle and saving our horses because when the horse or the cattle would run through the field, they would break their feet. And then you had to put the horse down or you had to slaughter the cow. It was a loss of a lot of money because they burrowed these little holes. And here's what the Spirit is warning us deal with your issues deal with them because these little issues now he says even the little foxes because small problems can become big problems when you don't deal with little problems little foxes you're going to end up with big problems and what the spirit is telling us talk about them deal with them now, there are, three pro, pro, there are three major problems in the United States of America, statistically, that cause divorce. Intimacy, communication, and money. Those are the three big divorce issues in the United States of America, statistically. Intimacy, people don't want to talk about it. Communication, they're not talking, and money. Spending money on their own, doing whatever they want, forming up credit prop, card problems and the whole deal. We've got to purpose to discuss these issues premaritally and maritally and catch the little foxes. And let me tell you something you don't want to marry someone who doesn't want to talk about the issues. If they're not brave enough to talk about things with you, they're not going to talk about them when you get married. It doesn't just all of a sudden change once the ring is on the finger. They've got to be brave enough to deal with the issues. Now take a look at verse 16. Look with how the woman responds. My beloved is mine and I'm his. He feeds his flocks among the lilies. Excuse me? This guy is like, "Hey, I'm talking through the lattice." My dove, my little one, I'd like to talk about what happened last night. It wasn't good. Can we deal with this issue? What issues? I just love you. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. We're just in love. We don't have any problems. We, ju- we just love each other. I am my beloved, and my beloved is... Oh, look at him. He's feeding his flocks among the lilies. So cute. Look, he's so strong. That big old chest, that big old bicep, that big old tricep. Ooh, look at those legs. Did he just stretch? I love my man. What kind of problems are you talking about? So what? We had a little forest issue. I love him. I love him. Andrew and I have, do a, done, have done a lot of premaritals, and I'll never forget this one. They walk in. <laughs> that was her, okay? Just like so giddy, right? And he's like, What's up? You know, so cool. He sits down, crosses his leg, and she just like, you know, doing this whole thing. So, have you ever, guys, have you guys ever had an argument? Uh, no, we have decided not to argue. He's so right. I'll never forget this. And I'm sitting there like this. We got a problem. So here's what was my advice. I met with him for five minutes. I said, please leave my office. Go have a fight and then come back and we will talk. She literally started to cry. They left my office. They came back three weeks later. (laughs) She was weeping. We had a fight. She was devastated. They did not learn how to deal with issues because they're so in love with each other. Let me tell you how long love lasts. It will last through your whole life if you're willing to deal with issues. If you want to shove everything under the carpet, you are soon going to trip over it and you're going to bust your head open because everything's just going to erupt. She's living in la-la land. Ooh, look at him. He's feeding the flock among the lilies. Ooh, problem. What problem? I love my man. Look at him. He's so cute. She- She's not going to deal with the issues. I love the fact that she's got so much security in the relationship, but she's not willing to deal with what happened before. Now take a look at verse 17, what she says to him. Now think of the effort this guy has made to deal with this problem. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee away, she's speaking to him, turn my beloved and be like a gazelle or young stag upon the mountains of Bethar. She goes, Hey, babe, I'm going back to bed. (laughs) You want to be like a gazelle and prance on up here? I need you to see what's on her mind, and once I tell you what the word means, you'll know what's on her mind. She says this Be like a gazelle a young stag upon the mountains of separation. I want you to come and like be with me in this bed. Her mind is not in the right place. She's overcome with passion and she's lying down on the bed. Come on, babe. Come on up here and be like a gazelle just running all over the mountains of separation. It's the Bible, not me. I'm just communicating to you what it says. And I need to let you know something about the carnal mind. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, we're going to go back to Song of Solomon, but Romans chapter 8, would you take a look? Romans chapter 8, I'm going to pick it up there in verse 5. Romans chapter 8, verse 5, here's what the Bible says. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds, so they're always thinking about carnal fleshly things. They set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Now here's the devastating news. If you set your mind on carnal things, to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. This gal has got her mind in the gutter. She's a godly woman, but she's being overcome with passion. He's come to solve the problem and she's using it as an opportunity to see if maybe they can pick up where they left off. Song of Solomon chapter 3, verse 1. Let me prove it to you. By night, I'm on my bed and I sought or I desired, I want him, the one I love. I sought him But I didn't find him. She wants him. She is overcome with passion. She has gotten all worked up. Her biology is kicking in. She's been thinking about him all night long and she can't find him. Of course, she can't find him because she just told him to leave. She didn't respond to his desire to solve the problem of their sexual purity in the relationship. You See, problems help us if we're brave enough to solve them, but they hurt us if we're cowardly and ignore them. And we're going to see how this hurts her. Take a look at chapter 3, verse 2. Arise now. And this word means it's early in the morning, so the sun's not up yet. Rise. So it's early in the morning. Arise now, I said, I'm going to go about the city. I'm going to go in the streets and the squares. I'm going to seek the one I love. I sought him, but I didn't find him. She gets up out of her bed. She's so worked up. She is looking through the whole town. I got to find my man. I know he was just here. I got to find him. You see, she thought they were good. I love my man. My beloved, I love my beloved. My beloved is mine but now she's falling into one of the fox's holes that she chose not to deal with. Her leg's about to be broken. It is so important for us to solve sinful issues in our Christian relationships. And let me tell you what the three issues are. Lust of the flesh. Sexual immorality. The second issue is the lust of the eyes. I see it my way, my way or the highway. The third issue is the pride of life. Not only do I see it my way, I want it my way. I'm unwilling to have any conversation with you. I'm not going to have any communication with you because really I want it my way, I see it my way and I'm going to do things my way. But problems can be good. You see, problems are like pain. And when we feel pain, we know something's wrong. So we go to the doctor to get it fixed. Problems are like God's providence to protect us. It's like pain to show us there's a way that, there's a way that we can get a prescription for a cure. Take a look at verse 3. The watchmen who go about the city, they found me. And I said, have you seen the one I love? She runs into watchmen. Now this word is she runs into protectors. She's convicted by the spirit. Her spirit is willing, but her flesh is so weak. She's caught up in her hormones and she completely ignores the conviction. Hey guys, listen. Premarital or in your marriage relationship, We need to surround ourselves with the protection of the Holy Spirit. We need to be engaged in prayer today, not just when we have a problem. We need to have accountability, gals. You need to have a girl that you can go to. And guys, you need to have a guy that you can go to. We need to be memorizing scripture so when we start feeling hot and heavy and we know that we shouldn't be, we've got scripture that's coming to our mind. And we need to, in that moment, worship our Lord Jesus Christ by practicing a life of worship today. And this gal, despite the protectors, she presses on in passion. And let me tell you why. Something's wrong with our godly gal. She's not pursued her relationship with the Lord. It's evident. Her mind's on carnal things. And the greatest protection to avoid catastrophe is to walk in the Spirit as a daily practice is to put prayer and devotion into your daily life, that actually will fill your spiritual tank so that you can be prepared when the problems come your way. Now take a look. She asked the watchman, have you seen the one I love? Now take a look at verse four. Scarcely had I passed by them. Scarcely had I passed by them. When I found the one I love. I held him and I would not let him go until I'd brought him to the house of my mother and into the chamber of her who, who, who conceived me. I did that for a reason. She's found her security in her man, not the Lord. I found him. I searched everywhere for him. She's not looking for God. I found my man. And my man is the one that will make me feel good. Let me tell you, and I'll speak for Andrea. Thank God she loves Jesus more than she loves me. Because I am the last thing in her life for her to find security in. I'm a human. And I'm a man. That makes me twice as dumb. Let me tell you why. There's a 435-page book. It was a New York bestseller. 435-page book, and the title of the book was What Every Man Knows About a Woman. All 435 pages were completely blank. (laughs) Because just when you think you got them figured out. My wife was giving birth. She asked me. She asked me to rub her back. She had a contraction. She looked at me and said, Why are you touching me? (laughs) Dare I say you just asked me to rub your back. So then I thought I would bless her. And I looked at her in the middle of giving birth and I said, This doesn't even look like it hurts you. She politely grabbed my shirt, and she went, it hurts. (sighs) What every man knows about a woman, 435. Listen, when I get to heaven, I'm asking Jesus, what was this whole dwell with your wife with understanding thing? Because I tried my whole life. And you know what God's going to say to me? That's the point. That you made every effort to dwell with your wife with understanding. I need you to see something. What's on her mind? Would you look with me again? Song of Solomon, chapter 3, verse 4. I held him, I wouldn't let him go, until I brought him into the house of my mother, into the chamber of her who conceived me. Come on. What's on her mind? What's on her mind? And I need to let you know something. This word chamber, in the Hebrew, it means room, and it means a man's chest. She has taken him into the room, ripped off his shirt. And there they are in the room with his shirt ripped off, and she is overwhelmed with passion. And I need you to see something about the guy. He doesn't seem to have one problem with the whole event. She came out and grabbed him, brought him into the room, ripped off the shirt. And this was him. Okay. <laughs> she is passionate, and he doesn't know what to do. We got Adam on our hands. I, th- Adam, just say to Eve... Uh, Eve, I think that's the fruit that we're not supposed to eat. And I'm not sure why you're talking to a snake anyway. I mean, the Bible says Adam was right there with her. That's why God held him responsible. And this guy is just ready to go. Things are about to go down. Take a look. Verse five. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field, don't stir or awaken love Until it pleases. Thank you, lady. She realizes. What in the world am I doing? Though she has taken him to this place. Though she has not responded to the watchman. All of a sudden she is convicted And she stops the whole scene and she sees his chest and they're there in the bedroom. They're about to conceive. That's what they're thinking. And she goes, what am I doing? And thank God that our man there in the forest Thank God that our man set a godly example for her to realize that's what I need to do because he's weak right now and I'm convicted and I've caused this problem and I need to realize I'm wrong and I am not going to go this direction because now he's weak but she learned from his godly example and now she's going to be strong for them. I had another couple come my direction. Well, I slept with him because he's the man and he led me and he told me that, like, we're in love. You know what I told her? He ain't your leader. You're not married to him. So stand up and look him in the face and say, I'm not going that direction. And ladies, and I told her, why would you marry a man that manipulates the word of God and takes you to the bed? And what I found is, is that women, they will give intimacy or sex for love and men will give love for sex. And Our Lady makes a decision. If you're not going to be spiritual, I'm going to be spiritual. Now I want to close with this. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Here's where we close. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Gentlemen, we've read this one other time before. I know it's a verse that you've already memorized that you'll be able to say before we even get there. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Verse 1, now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, go ahead, gentlemen, say it with me. It is good for a man not to touch a woman. Now, if you're married, that verse does not apply to you because look at verse 2. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, get married. Let each man have his own wife. Now, this verse is not saying if you want to have sex, get married. It's saying if you're in a relationship and you know you're betrothed and you're going to get married and you're struggling, then just go ahead and get married. You see, our culture says, wait five, 10, 15 years, because our culture doesn't have a problem with trying out sex before marriage. But the Bible has a problem that. You see, this is what our couple then decides to do, and we're going to get to it next week. They get married, and one of the most beautiful, intimate scenes in the world is found in Song of Solomon, chapter 4 and 5. They choose to get married. But our culture, let's try each other out. Let's make sure that we have a compatibility before we decide to put a ring on our finger. Finger, we've got it the wrong way. But I'll say this. Someone needs to stand up in your relationship for spirituality. Don't awaken love until it pleases. Now, married couples, listen. I pray that you're married to a man that will lead you in godliness. But if your husband's not leading you in godliness, pray. Seek the Lord. Ask the Lord to intervene with your husband. And then after you pray, go to your husband. Hey, can we talk about this? And if he's not willing to talk, let your good moral chase conduct win him over. That's the way of the word. The way of the word is never The way of the word is never to give him a piece of your mind. The way of the word is to win him over by your good moral chaste conduct. Husbands, you're the leaders of your homes. You're the leaders of your homes. As a husband, we're accountable to God to wash our wives with the water of the word. He will speak to us about that. And if that is not holding us in conviction in and of itself to lead our wives in a godly manner, I pray that as you're driving home tonight, you'll just stop for a minute and say to your wife, and baby, put your hand on, can we pray together? Someone needs to hit the spiritual ball in your relationship. And there's a way to do it on both sides. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. Let me pray for us. I love Sunday nights. Lord, I'm just so thankful for this group that gathers so faithfully on Sunday nights. And my prayer now in Jesus' name, restore, refresh, redeem, renew. For all those listening online at home, I pray that even now they're engaging in prayer. And Lord, I pray for our premarital relationships. If there's issues, whether premarital or marital, I pray that they would deal with them tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just wanna check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.